Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's poppin' everybody? Hello and welcome to Popcorn Culture. My name is Ben Carlin and I am your host. Here with me today is my brother Jay. Who's in every episode as the other host. Sometimes. Usually. Sometimes I'm in every episode. Well, so so far, always. <laughs> but we don't have the fullness of time on our side yet. So oh maybe boy. eventually. You just wait till you have a sick day. I'm gonna be like, it's time to record Popcorn Culture. Oh, goodness mm-hmm. me. Yeah. The, the infamous long-awaited Ben's sick day episode where it's one hour of Jay talking to Jay. That's right. That's right. Which is sometimes how I feel when I'm doing streams. I like finish. And I'm like, man, I've just been talking alone in a room for three hours. And I mean, not really alone because you've got the people you're talking to in the chat or whatever. But there's no one physically speaking back to you. Okay. And you need to basically be talking the entire time. That's the real skill I think of like really professional streamers. Oh my gosh, there's no, there is no two ways about it. I mean, I think even going back to my early YouTube days, the absolute greatest challenge that I had with getting good at being on camera was was getting away from the problem that is you were having a conversation with a lens. Right. And and, and that lens gives you nothing. Like you tell a funny joke and, and they don't laugh, they don't say anything. Like you're sitting in a room like manufacturing this delivery with, with no feedback loop at all yeah it's tricky it's tricky because it you you put in all these jokes or what you think are jokes or what you think is funny and you put it up and you have no idea if people laughed or if they were like oh stupid oh my gosh i know yeah no it's it's so true it's so true so i think uh that was that was my greatest challenge though getting into this i I don't know if you have this issue at all you it always seems like you were a little bit better just talking to the camera out of the gate or maybe you just had more experience with it than i did um but i think when i'm having a conversation with somebody and i even think why i like doing 
doing this podcast is that we're sitting in the same room. I can look at you and as I'm telling a story, I'm looking at your like little micro expressions to like figure out how you're responding to what I'm saying or if I need to hurry up or slow down or like add more details. Um, I don't know. I, have you ever watched the TV show House? Oh, absolutely. Okay, House MD. So that's what he did all the time and I think that I realized that I was that I was doing these little things like as I was communicating with people, I'm like looking for like markers to figure out like how they're reacting mm. to what I'm saying. Right. Um, and w- without that at all, I feel like my ability to communicate is at a complete and utter loss. Oh, so you think if we were making this podcast and we were recording, like if, if one of us was on a trip or something, it was like, we got to record the pop. If we were not in the same room, you don't feel like the podcast would be the same. I don't think that it would be the same. I think that there's enough inflection in your voice and in, in the back and forth with a conversation to be able to, uh, to, to be able to hold a better conversation than what I would be capable of doing in like a stream setting, mm. which is where you're just talking effectively about what you're doing as you're doing it, trying to be witty while also interacting like with the chat at the same time. But whenever I've been doing it, there's always the inevitable moment where I just run out of thoughts and, right. and like, and I'll sit there and then my mind will do like the horrible anxiety brain spiral. That's like, oh my gosh, I haven't said anything for, for 30 seconds seconds and now it's 40 seconds and and it's getting worse and now I'm all I'm thinking about is how I haven't said anything <laughs> and um you get so, stuck in that like negative feedback loop exactly and it just feeds into itself yeah the tricky part with streaming in particular or I think why I like that's why I think gaming has probably come as a easy way for streaming to pick up because almost at the very least you can always just say what you're doing. Sure. Right? And then you can always look at the chat too, but sometimes that can slow down. Um, and th- th- there are definitely moments where I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know if I'm being interesting. But then I'll see some people's streams where they're they're just sitting there and there's just like, like a video of them in the corner and it's just a video of them playing as whatever's unfolding. Oh, but that is that is like the ultimate thing about what makes different streamers popular, I think for different reasons, because there is so much truth to the idea that some people are popular because they're an entertaining person to watch play a game. Like right. they might be like really, uh, responsive or, or have like lots of like clever, you know, things that they can say about the gameplay or they're just very animated and, you know, they're mm-hmm. playing a horror game and every time something scares them, they are visibly freaked out. Right. Um, which on the other hand of that, I think the people who I, I believe to fail at streaming are the ones who I can tell when they are drumming up their reaction. Mm. Where it's like, like something scares them and then they like hold it for like maybe five seconds too long. And it's like, okay, it felt like maybe you, you were genuinely scared, but then you held it for. Oh, is that you housing them? For effect. Oh yeah. 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 That, that's me like looking into, into like them knowing that those moments are the moments that people are going to like cap. Right. You know, and then and make into clips or whatever. Um, and so it's like, oh, that was a genuine moment. I really need to savor it as much as humanly possible. I'm going to keep my mouth open in the O formation for as long as I can. Look at the camera and explain. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That like, was so terrifying. Stop being afraid like five seconds ago. Right, right, right. Like, yeah, yeah. Like the, the full effect ended a, a, a bit a bit ago. Um, and then on the on the flip side of that, though, people who are entertaining to watch play, I think that there are people who uh, get viewership because of how good they 
are at the game. Right. And then at that point, your commentary on it is less essential to it being interesting because you are just watching someone who is an expert at work, basically. Right. Uh, and that is that is just in itself just a fun thing to watch unfold, whether it's gaming or or really anything. Right. Like where, where practiced hands are involved, people are good at their thing. Yeah. Um, have you ever have you ever been the person who has gotten so good at like like you worked at Panera Bread once upon a time, like at making a sandwich where like it would have just been fun to watch you make a sandwich because of how skillfully you could like slice tomato, turkey, lettuce. Nope, no aioli sauce. Well, Full- yeah, once upon a time I did work at the local Panera Bread here, and I will say that I don't think anyone ever would have found it too interesting to see me on the sandwich line or anything, but certainly I think I got to the point where uh, I was better at assembling the sandwiches faster than any of the other employees there. See, and that's exactly what I would have expected from you, is that you would have been like, well, this is what we're doing. I'm going to be the best at it, so here we go. Well, it was like, that was like my first real part-time job ever. And, you know, they they tell you you're supposed to get the sandwiches out in under two minutes, which, by the way, if you've been to a Panera recently, or at least the ones here, they are not hitting those goals. No way! Not at all. Their so breducation is lacking? Their, their breducation is lacking, or they have changed some sort of standard, or they just don't care. Uh, but that's what they tell you, and they have, like, on the little screen... You would see the order and how much time, like as soon as the order came in, a timer would start. So, you know, even if it's eight orders down, the timer starts and it, you know, it might get to two minutes before we even get to that order or something. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Now, of course, if you're going fast enough, they shouldn't, like the way it's set up, they shouldn't be able to like ring, it should also take less than, I think, five minutes at the register. Okay. So that's the other, I think it's supposed even maybe less than two. So like... Ideally, they shouldn't be able to send you an order faster than it took you to complete making the last one. Right. In a perfect system. Of course, there's more cashiers than there were people on the line or Sam- whatever. Sandwichers? So yeah. Sandwichers? Yeah, I didn't call them that. But I do remember eventually, like, it, it didn't occur to me that people might not take that instruction seriously. But looking back... Definitely, I took the two-minute rule seriously, and other people just did not. <laughs> right, okay, <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay, okay. Which is maybe really predictable for teenagers working part-time jobs. So, so your work ethic was hailing more for your respect for the rules, maybe, than it even was from your own competitive nature. Like, I think, I think it was a combination of both. Okay, did, did you fear, like, retribution if you were not getting your sandwiches done in uh, a satisfactory time, knowing that your co-workers were not doing it in yes. a satisfactory factory time you still feared retribution yes yep it's like oh is everyone speeding i guess i'm speeding too but that doesn't mean i'm not afraid (laughs) oh interesting interesting okay so i think i think that the the crowd would influence my decision and that my perception of the situation like i think that if there are five cars speeding in front of me and i'm just following them then at the very least even from my own like internalized ethics Mm -hmm. it would sort of be like well i was just following those cars oh yeah yeah, good luck telling the cop that. No, I know, I yeah. know, I know. Would it change if you were the leader of these five cars? It would change. Ah. It would change. I think if I was the one out front, I would expect to be the one who was setting the pace and then therefore responsible for everyone else going that. 
See, that's so interesting because, like, so you're in your mind, if you're the fifth person, you're not even breaking the law. You're just following. I'm following the, the someone trend. else who, who is but breaking the law. But the person in front is breaking the law. So it sounds to me like I would be a very, very, very dangerous follower. Right. This is what it's like because I have news for you. If the speed limit's 60 and the first person's going 80 and you're like, well, they're going 80. And so the, the next three people are also going 80. All five of you are breaking the law. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's absolutely true. And so which, whichever car they choose to, to pull over, it's like, well. Yeah. You're no matter what you're gonna feel like. Well, that was unfair, and no matter what, the cops gonna be like, "Do you see this number?" And you're like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> okay. So for what it's worth, I, I do not speed um, ever, and uh, I, I have had one speeding ticket in my life, mm-hmm. and it was I was I, I was so mad. Uh, like I feel like if I were to go back, if this same exact experience happened to me today, I think that I would have been even more mad than I knew I was allowed to be on that day. Oh yeah. Uh, it was like this weird thing where like I I was on my way out of town on vacation and literally I, I wasn't even attempting to be speeding. I literally was just on the interstate and I'd been on the interstate for like three hours and I had it in cruise control at like 78 miles an hour. And mm-hmm. it was, I guess the speed limit was 70. So I, I was speeding, but like I feel like within a... Within the acceptable range of error. Yes, yes. The yeah. acceptable range of error. And then the, the speed limit somewhere for like four miles drops from 70 to 65. Mm-hmm. And so then instead of being like eight miles over the speed limit, I was 13 miles over the speed Uh, limit. It's a speed trap. It's a speed trap, right. And so on this day, it's like literally a heat wave. And it was my first day off of work after I had worked uh, seven days a week for like seven months in a row. Mm -hmm. So I was like so excited to be off. We're driving mom's red minivan from growing up. Okay. The air conditioning is broken and the uh, passenger side front seat window is like stuck a quarter inch down. So it's like whistling. Oh, great. Good, and I have, good noise. Yes. And so I have seven people packed into this car with me and I'm just like cruising along on what, what is about to be a, you know, 13 hour journey from Virginia to Vermont. Yeah. Um, and I get caught in the speed trap and I'm like literally physically sweating in the car because of the circumstances. It's like 104 degrees outside. Yeah. High humidity, not good conditions. And no guy, AC, no AC. And the guy rolls up to me and he was like, you know, you were speeding. And I was like, well, I I mean, I think I even was like, I think I was eight over. And he was like, can you even read? And I was like, yes. Like, like it's this weird thing where I feel like mom and dad always taught us growing up to like, to in these situations, just be nothing but like respectful. Yes, sir. No, sir. Mm-hmm. The whole time, which I was attempting to do. And this guy's like actively antagonizing me. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Like right. I'm being nice to you. Um, And so I thought for sure, you know, like I'm sitting there in this like minivan, mm. like, car full of like boogie boards and stuff like I don't know I mean I'm, I'm sure I looked like a punk 22 year old kid in some capacity um, but I was I was doing my best anyway I got a speeding ticket so yeah. speeding is speed there you go mm. yeah unfortunate I want to say the we there's a it's interesting that you were going 78 and maybe you weren't in the state of Virginia at the time I, there's like a weird range because I want to I feel like 75 is a lot of people's like max because most of this I, I I could totally be wrong here but the way I know it in my head is that like the difference between a speeding ticket and a reckless speeding ticket is reckless is over 15 miles over the speed limit right right but also in there is 
Anything over 75 is reckless. Oh, I thought it was anything over 80 oh. is reckless. Mm, I thought that was a thing over 75. Maybe maybe this is a difference. Maybe. 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 Well, I did not get reckless. So it, it well, is entirely good. possible that I have all of my numbers wrong and I was going 74 in a, what was a 65 and then it was 60 or something like that. I think a lot of times if you weren't like being genuinely reckless, they will not, they'll just like knock it down for you. Right, Sometimes. right, right. Well, and, Don't uh, count on that. No, I know. But I think that that was sort of what I was... I, I like, actually thought I was going to get out of the speeding ticket. Um, mm. I, it was it was not something that I was expecting to be, like, this huge problem. And the other thing that happened with it, and, of course, you don't have to pay your ticket right then, but at this point in my life, I think I literally had, like, $257. Right. You know, and a speeding ticket is, like, 180 or something. So it was like, There's I'm going on vacation, and it's like... speeding tickets. There goes all my money. Yep, terrible. Man... Well, you only got one speeding ticket. I think I got not in a very long time now, but I think yeah, in my in my early days behind the wheel, I got like four, I think. Which is so shocking it because is. between the two of us, you are absolutely the more responsible human being. Mm, maybe it's because I made so many irresponsible choices. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't. I, it was. It was never. I don't know. There's that weird pressure when you're a teenager, a teenage male. I think that like dr like the point of driving is driving fast or something. Like I I don't know where that pressure comes from, but I think it felt I think present. It, I think it came from like w one member of our group of friends who but, I feel like was infamous for this exact. I think thing. this is infamous of all teenage boys. Yeah. Yeah. But. Anyway, I don't know. I got a I got a speeding ticket four days into my uh, having a license. Oh my it was, gosh! It was terrible. I mean, just the amount of disappointment I think I felt from like our parents and the amount of disappointment in myself, and then the consequences of it were just ugh. It was not good. But I'll tell you the story. Uh, we were uh, driving. It was after cross country practice, and I think we were going. The coaches wanted everyone to go get like ice cream or something. Sure. And so, something like that. There was some celebration, so we just drove to this ice cream parlor, and I was like, "Oh, psh, I can take people. I've got a car now. Y'all can ride with me." How cool! I know, right? Psh, got my got my brand new, not not brand new, my very old <laughs> 1987 black Jeep Cherokee with gold trim Woo! the jet the jet it was, it was missing one of the e's in the front logo it was missing the e on the front and uh so the i the the rule was that you can have one you can have a a, a family member as a passenger plus one non-family member passenger i have completely forgotten that rule existed yeah. so that was that's a flashback for me that's the rule so i had three non-family <laughs> member passengers with me because you know, wow. whatever. What a they? How are they gonna tell? They can't tell who's your family. This is unenforceable in my seventeen-year-old mind. Or whatever. the rest of the students must have been so impressed with you. Exactly right. Uh, so we're we're we drive out fine, no problem. Got my all my passengers, and this is the kind of rule that's really present because it only exists for like a year. It's uh -huh. like during your first year of driving, so it's really present with you in high school, and like everyone just sort of knows it. So everyone sort of knows this is against the rules in the car. Right. Anyway, so we go get the ice cream and we come back and I think I'm going about 40 45 coming back to the high school which is already in the middle of a neighborhood right and uh so I'm just really bad speeding and it's like the you know, if you're a cop, this is like the obvious spot to sit because teenagers are bad drivers and so he just I mean pulls me over uh into the school parking no. lot which is so which is just so embarrassing because you know the lights are flashing and you're like oh no and then 
and I think that my my fellow passengers, my fellow teammates, thinking in my best interest, were like, "Oh crap, you're you've got more people in the car than you're allowed. We should all get out right now so that when he talks to you, we won't be in here." But he's already behind me. Oh yeah. Know? Oh so, yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, though, without warning, all three passenger doors fly open. Everyone just scatters oh my and shuts gosh. the door. And then I get pulled over and talk to a cop. And he he did not give me reckless, thankfully. That was good. Nor did he enforce the particular rule about the passengers. Because, I mean, I'm like sobbing. I'm like, this is the worst thing that could have no, happened. No, I don't think I knew that. Oh, this is so bad. I was, oh, it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. So, You're not much of a crier. I mean, I was just so scared. I was just like, this is this can't be happening. Oh. Uh, this is bad. It was bad. That was not a not a good first week with my car. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a rough one. That is, and I remember I remember the argument with mom and dad, which I'm sure you remember plenty of arguments with me being the angsty middle child that mm-hmm. I was uh, with with mom and dad throughout the years. But that is one of the very few like knockdown, drag out, like yelling matches that I remember between you and mom in our childhood, <laughs> like basically ever. Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, I think it, it was this, I had like tasted freedom and, and and leading up to like getting a car and having my license, I wasn't, I wasn't really like really on top of it. It didn't seem that important to me. I know many uh, teenagers are like counting down the literal seconds until they can get behind the wheel and have freedom and whatever. I was just like, I, you know, whenever I get it, I'll get it. And I didn't, ex- I don't think I even expected to get a car or like maybe I'd be sometimes allowed to drive our parents' cars, but you know, I it just it, I don't know. It wasn't it didn't feel super important to me or super possible. But then it all happened, and there was a, just like a few days of freedom where I could just like oh I can just go to my friend's house or something like that. And it was the immediate. So we, we like went to um you know the you had to go to traffic court or whatever, and basically the judge tells me I can I'm not allowed to drive it except from the house to the school or whatever. But this is like a verbal command, right? You right. know, so in my mind I'm. Like okay, but mom and dad will still like they know I've learned my lesson. They'll still let me drive around socially, and I will obviously not break the law anymore, right? Or whatever. Right. But nope, they were like, no, that's what he said. You can't do it. And I was like, but but like, yeah, I know, I know, I can't do it. But like, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but, like I can do it. Air but, quotes. But like, I can do it, right? <laughs> no, the answer was no. It was ugh. yeah. Anyway. That was my story of getting my my first ticket. Not one week into having a license. Goodness gravy! Mm. What a wonderful time! What a wonderful <sighs> Great time. time! I actually do think that that experience for you totally did uh, resonate with me. Like like you say that everybody like all teenage boys like need to like speed all the time or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I think having watched you get a speeding ticket, I was terrified yeah. to get a speeding ticket. So there probably is a lot to be said where I didn't have that like blissful ignorance quite as much because I had already watched it all unfold. You are once welcome. Before. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Yeah. Goodness. Well, that was a tangent of all tangents yeah. right there. What are we talking about? Did we have a corny joke? I don't think we did. We just sort of really launched right off of it. Hey, welcome to the podcast, people. Ben, do you have a corny joke for me? Hang on, hang on. I totally do. I totally do. The pop What cast. did... I'm sorry. Oh, get it right, man. I'm sorry. This is why you are co-host. Other host. Uh, wait, did I just give you the title that you've been asking for this whole time? No. No. We're both co-hosts. No, I'm host. Anyway, Jay. What did the left eye say to the right eye? I don't know, Ben. What did the left eye say to the right eye? Between you and me, something smells.
It's the nose. It's the nose. Ah. Uh, that's hilarious. What a classic, classic zinger. Oh, man. Well done. Well crafted. Thank you. Thank Layers. you. Layers. Layers to that joke. You know, to be entirely honest, I googled it. Yeah. I sure did. Sure did. Didn't come up with it myself at all. Uh, I would have been really impressed if you came up with that by yourself. It's a, it's a pretty clever, corny joke. Yeah. Yeah. Not so bad. Not mm-hmm. so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have any quality feedback that we need to um, step into here today? Oh boy, what did we talk about last time? We talked a lot about board games. I see you've posted something in our notes about playing board games. Okay, so in our last episode of The Pop, we discussed kind of at length our childhood growing up and the different circumstances, almost maybe in some part due to birth order, in which you became both good at board games And as a direct result, I constantly both lost and became very unenthused with board games. Right. So we got an enormous amount of feedback on this. Do tell. um, Where we we had so many emails uh, where people were coming in with all sorts of different explanations, most of which I'm not, I I won't even name everybody because a, a lot, there were many of these emails. People were saying things along the lines of, I love board games, but of course I always win. And it was like, of course you love board board games then that's like my exact argument is like that's why jay likes board games and that's why i don't like board games yeah um is because because i know you're wrong ben i like board games because i win right (laughs) right um but we did have uh let's see here uh we had we had feedback from uh colonel grace Okay. Who I I just I just want to uh, admire for a moment for she she introduced her email with hi pops oh like oh, so, like, oh I get it yeah, yeah like we're the we're the pops yeah like like the fathers of the popcast but also uh, like popcorn yes exactly yeah. exactly uh, so she she may have just invented some new terminology for the pop here and her name um, is oh but she, do you, okay so obviously Colonel Grace Colonel Grace little Colonels L- little Colonel What's Grace there, little Colonels so um let's see here so her solutions to me uh and i feel like maybe you've brought these up to me before mm-hmm. was to play collaborative board games like cooperative cooperative board games yeah. tell me more about a cooperative board game well a cooperative board game would be different in that you're not playing against the other people at the table rather you're playing against the game itself with the other people at the table so you all have a common goal but you probably have different skills as per the rules of the game okay does so that make sense it makes sense when when playing a a cooperative mm-hmm. board game, do you ever feel like there is still a clear winner? No. Really? No, you win together and you lose together. You win together and you lose together. Yes. So one, of, for example, one of the um, cooperative board games, probably my favorite one that we've played a lot of with a bunch of different people, is called Flashpoint. And the point of the game is that every member of your team is a fire. Everyone playing is a firefighter. Okay. And the the goal of the game is to save a bunch of people from a house that is on fire. And this house is like super determined to burn down. Okay. So whoever saves the most people wins. No. It's like it's that that is really not it because one person's like every firefighter that has a different like class like someone's the chief and they can like move the other people around and someone's like the medic so it's like everyone's trying to get the medic to the people because that that character's role can move the people faster and easier okay so like you're all working like often everyone's just clearing a path for that person to go get them or else you need to clear a path so that the truck can shoot in and somebody gets to you know be the person on the hose in the truck so it's never like oh well we 
all won, but yeah, Beth really won because she saved six people. It's like, well, but the point was to get Beth to save six people, you know? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I was I was waiting to see if I couldn't find holes in your in your uh, explanation there well, as ben, to where if I were playing, I'd be like, okay, but you really want to be the medic because the medic sounds like the seeker uh, in in Quidditch terms of this of this process. And let's face it, there's nothing more important than the seeker. Well, it's interesting because maybe if you were better at board games, you'd have found the plot hole, Ben. Jeez. Oh. oh. No. Uh, it, it is interesting because I often find that different people will desire different roles okay. within games like this. So it's not really a big problem. And everyone... I, I often been in a place where people are reluctant to take a role because they don't want to have like too much leadership or like they don't want to be responsibility all of a sudden you you don't want to be the reason everyone lost the oh so you can lose there's no, no if no. you're the reason that everyone lost no that's how people feel but that's not how it works <laughs> Because here's what ends up happening. What's and the difference? It, the different what can happen in cooperative games that you have to look out for is that almost every turn becomes a discussion of what is best for everyone. Okay. So what can sometimes happen if you're like a more passive, not as involved person in the game is that like one or two people who are really like paying attention might kind of just tell you what to do or might try and just, they might commandeer command of every single person's turn. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, okay. I think it would be best if you did this and then did that and then you did that on your turn so that you can do this on your turn and then on my turn I'll move you there and that there, you know. So that's what you have to be careful of, that one person doesn't suddenly just command what everyone else does and they're just moving the pieces around. I was going to say, because that sounds an awful lot like going over to a friend's house where they've invented their own game that they're the only person who knows the rules to it and you're not really following them and they're really just telling you what to do. Uh Mm, Yes, okay, okay, okay. So that being said, you could pretty easily play Flashpoint by yourself if you wanted to and just be all six people. Yeah, yeah. I I imagine you having an entire day at your house like by yourself and coming over and be like, what are you doing? I'm (laughs) fighting this fire, man. Is that a board game that you're playing alone? Yeah. So you... You could do that. And even when I'm playing it, I think, man, this would be like a really fun video game if it could like, you know, do all the tallies and dice rolls and stuff behind the scenes. And it's just like, okay, next you can move this character yes. or whatever. Um, but that, that I think is what you have to watch out for. Um, but the more, the more you play games like this, and I think it's very important or I'm very cognizant of it whenever I'm playing a game to really try not to do that. If somebody uh, disagrees with you or, or they're like, I think I'm going to do this. And then... He's just like, okay, well. (laughs) Let's deal with the fallout of that. Often everyone's, but it's what you said earlier, is that everyone's afraid of being the reason. So everyone often will discuss until everyone can agree on what's the best thing. Okay, okay, okay. if if you can't agree, it's often whoever is actually controlling the person will be like, executive decision. Okay. Popcorn culture is supported by Arena Club. Okay, so you guys know that I love trading card games and that me and Ben are big time collectors of Pokemon cards. You know, it's that childhood fantasy of finally being able to use adult money to buy those highly coveted rares of our youth. And like, even in our office, we have not one, but two full display cases with some of our all time favorite rarest cards that we've pulled. But something I did not know existed when I was a kid in my youth was the grading process for trading cards or sports cards or whatever you're collecting you know to me it was just like a rare Charizard is a rare Charizard like it doesn't doesn't matter it's been hanging out in my pocket with my lucky paper clip 
Turns out it does matter and kind of a lot because if you get your cards professionally graded, it can add huge value. And then not only that, but once they're graded, they will like seal them in that pristine condition inside of a plastic case or what's known in the industry as a slab. And that's where Arena Club steps in because it's like buying a booster pack, but it's for a pre-graded card. Now, I know that can take like maybe a second to wrap your head around because you're opening physical cards on a digital platform, which means you open the pack online and see your polls where they can be added to your showroom for the world to see. But you can also request them to be sent to you at any time. So they have got a ton of pre-graded cards and then you will get to randomly open one and then they'll keep it for you or they can send it to you or you can just like sell it or trade it online or whatever you want to do. But whether you're buying, selling, trading or or displaying arena club is the card collecting platform you have got to check out and right now you can get 10 percent off your first purchase by going to arena club.com slash pop pop which wow that is a crazy offer 10 percent off a 400 slab pack that's like 40 dollars right there anyway that's arena club.com slash pop pop for 10 percent off your first purchase Popcorn Culture is sponsored by Shopify. Y'all are likely aware of the fact that we have our very own Shopify store, Carlin Brothers Mercantile, and it's hard to imagine not having it now, but arriving at the decision to open our own web store was a big one. In fact, we started our journey on the interweb back in 2012 and didn't finally open up shop until 2018. And a huge part of that is just not knowing where to start, but that's where Shopify steps in. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, which is a fancy way of saying it's a really easy and effective way to start an online business, no matter if you're operating out of your garage or have like a whole building or three or something. Once we were set up, our biggest concern was trying a new product only to discover no one was interested in it. But Shopify is powered with so many reports, more than you can even imagine. And this is so handy because it allows us to use data to better provide what folks are actually interested in. It's so easy to use, but even if you do find yourself caught in a jam, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash pop pop. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash pop pop now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash pop pop. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Okay. You know. So the ultimate irony here, I think, in, in my opinion, about my dislike of board games is that, like, one of the things that I think that I learned somewhat early on, I, I have always been, even since, like, high school, someone who likes to throw, like, parties, like, mm-hmm. like occasions to have people come together. Right. And I think somewhere along the way, or in the beginning, I would say that my goal was always, how do I get as many people to attend as possible? Because attendance means more people for the other people to interact with, and the perception that this is actively a fun party. Like, the idea being that a very well-attended party is innately a good party because how could it not be there were so many people who showed up? You're trying to, like, reverse-engineer success exactly. out of the party. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that over time, what I started realizing is that, like, I wasn't having that much trouble getting a lot of people to attend, but what I was having a hard... Like, what, but it was like, what do people do once they're there? Mm-hmm. And that, to me has ended up being the the grand challenge of hosting a party is having the activity that like facilitates that that gets people involved in a way that they are comfortable with Mm -hmm. and i feel like board games are sort of the like most basic answer to this question like a board game in and of itself is a facilitator of people interacting with one another Mm -hmm. like you could just as easily go and sit down at a table and everybody you know has a drink or is talking or hanging out or whatever Mm -hmm. and the board game just becomes the thing in the middle that like is giving you a reason to be there right um so that is that is kind of interesting and i i feel like through the years i've always tried to come up with different clever things that people could do at parties so that there's like i think no i think i'm totally understanding where you you're the the parrot the how we are viewing this from like where i feel like there's a different paradigm happening here okay explain that, that to me okay because you're thinking of like yeah if a, a board game is just like the lowest form of party and it would be like it's a thing for people to do but it's the real the real purpose is to come hang out and just like talk whereas i think from my point of view and the way i perceive other people at, often at my game nights is that the point is to play the game it's like it's a it does game first social second whereas you're thinking of it as social first game second you're exactly correct that is the 100 percent. Yeah. yeah no because i i think for me and, and i think maybe like you know we've, we've talked about it before like the reason why once upon a time like diablo 2 became like this game obsession for me yes is because i had this perception that being good at it would like raise my stock with you as like my older brother mm-hmm. like well if i'm good at this game then he'll think i'm cool and if he thinks i'm cool he'll let me do other stuff to like hang out in in general proximity uh, but it, but it could have been the case that it may have just been like the the specific entry point that like that i was coming to this conclusion that being good at a like this specific game was ultimately what was going to win me like social i don't know status right of some kind and you might be exactly right that i don't value winning the game almost at all because what's the point winning winning right but like to me winning if anything even within that same fold is like to win against your friends is to then like have risen above them and be in a position where they are then frustrated with me for having defeated them ah this is a classic example of of and every every single person does this but seeing okay so i'm sure you've heard like the phrase um seeing the world through like rose tinted glasses or whatever yes right see so you're seeing that outcome through like ben colored glasses sure because that was your experience with losing games was that the other person was then superior or something right but that it this is like everyone sees the world as they are not as it is and so that i think that is a great example of you seeing the world as you are like you're 
interpretation is that because that's how you felt, that's how everyone will feel in that situation. Well, it's it's maybe not everyone, but I, I mean, I think I could flip that coin right back on you. I'm where, sure you can. Where it's like you you perceive winning with being admired by the people who you've defeated. That is not. That is not. Okay. No. So what what is what what becomes like the uh, like the the yearning to win? I, it just makes me feel better about myself. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like like because it means that you were able to like outsmart everyone else. I guess it's just like I don't know. I guess it's a uh, maybe not like I I don't. Uh, it's hard. I'm having difficulty articulating exactly like I mean like. I don't feel like I've ever had to explain why you'd want to win. See, but I think that's like what I what I always try to like reverse engineer when when I think it comes down to it is like like what what is the actual like what am I gaining through this victory? I don't know. It just seems like to me the point of playing the game is to win. So basic, by doing ba- so, basic yeah. enjoyment. Like yeah. you you have it's functionally just, it's fun to win. <laughs> see, and I, I feel like that comes back to it though. It's only one person can win, which means that ultimately the, everybody else there lost. No. Oh, but you're still this is why it's it's game first and then social second because like e- even losing you're still there just hanging out that is that is fair and true like even if you've lost you still won because you got to spend time with your friends sure and and i think that probably the 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 bigger better argument here is that throughout an entire evening of board gaming chances are you will not have won every single game. that that is very true even people who are good at games maybe they're competitive in every game but many games have a certain element of luck to them oh, of course innately. of course yes and um you know you other people are going to have played other games more than you and so they're going to be better at them vice versa and yeah most game nights are not like we sat down and played a really one long single game of Risk. whatever it's like in in my experience there's like often like a couple of short games maybe you play and then there's like a like a main game you're playing and you maybe you'll play that two or three times or something okay and okay it's always a little bit different okay okay boy this has been a, a lot of talk about board games in the past couple pops it has been it has been i think it's because it especially for you and i as individuals and in, in, on, on planet earth it seems like it's it has come up as a topic between us so often Mm -hmm. and i think yeah i think it's just a hard thing to uh to really oddly articulate how we're so similar in so many ways but so different on this particular Mm -hmm. single thing and trying to figure out why right i feel like sometimes it turns strangely into what feels like like a speaking to like a therapist right where where i'm attempting to like delve deep into like the dark corner archives of my brain to figure out like what happened, Ben? What happened to you as a young chap that that something went so very wrong that mm-hmm. you that you have found yourself in this position? Um, so it's interesting the the psychology behind it, which maybe brings me to my very next topic that I wanted to discuss today. Let's do it. Okay, so we have talked a little bit about how you and I both indulge in the television show that is The Bachelor. Oh, Bachelor Nation, where you at? <laughs> There's like nine people out there that raise their hands. No, no, there can't be. Certainly in the listenership of popcorn culture, there must be more than nine people who watch The Bachelor. Certainly, at least there will be after this particular episode. Okay, would you? Okay, let me just say this too. 
even if I hmm, even if you don't watch The Bachelor, you're watching The Bachelor. Like there's a there's a Bachelor esque show. Oh, yeah. you're watching. And I think we can we can speak in broad strokes reality TV terms here. Yeah. Um, but I think that uh, one of the interesting things about and and I feel like we can talk about this because we're not going to go so nitty gritty into like the specific details of like the episodes that are happening right now or anything like that. Um, but one of the tropes with with Bachelor in particular is that at the start and end of every season there is always this phrase that the host Chris Harrison says where he's like the most dramatic season yet yes and you know and then cut to like all these moments where these things happen and you're like no way how could all of those things come to pass I can't wait to find out and you're completely sucked in and you watch every single episode with all of your friends and it becomes like a, a weekly tradition for you um the the question that I have for you is that as time goes on and as there are dramatic seasons dramatic things that happen the show itself I think is is in the same position that many um, TV shows, movies, uh, any long-running stories face, which is how do we continuously increase the stakes here? Right. Like, like how is it true that it's the most dramatic season yet? Like, what would happen? Well, they just say that. As, I mean, go ahead. No, and I understand. Yeah. I, I think what you were going to say is they say that at this point. I think they're rather self-aware at yeah, this point as well. The Bachelor in particular is pretty self-aware. And I think that they, I think at one point in time, they weren't. Oh, for and, sure. And I do think eventually people were like, okay, like you say that every season. And it's like, and, and now it's part of the joke. Yeah. Um, But it's also not not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, where every season does seem to, like, ramp it up a bit yeah um and i think that's interesting because you are you know in in a sense and of course i'm not like falling for the idea that it's you know quote unquote reality or anything like that um but i think as time has gone on we have watched uh what you and i usually refer to as like the producer's role in the show yeah become more and more prominent it does feel like in uh, watching the bachelor slash bachelorette for as many seasons as we have now that over time the uh the drama has come less from genuine interactions between the uh contestants on the show right and more from outside interference by the producers manufactured situations yes okay so the example that i want to give and i don't think you need to uh you know be watching the current run of the bachelor to be tuned into to what this could look like um on every episode they have group dates where they you know the the person the bachelor the bachelorette goes out with a whole bunch of people uh but then they also have one-on-one dates where you're supposed to get like your super specialized time and each episode features what like two like two one-on-one dates and one group date exactly typically okay so in one of the more recent episodes of the bachelor our, our guy pete Peter yeah. uh, is going out on a date with a girl named Victoria and they, they're doing one of their pretty classic dates like you know they shut down an amusement park and they went and you know go on all the rides because no one else is there and they get to just you know have an entire amusement park to themselves but then one of the things that they do all the time is have a musical act come on right so like they'll go and they'll do all the fun stuff they'll have dinner and it's like but the date's not over yet now we have a private tour with you know whoever and um, on this particular episode they're like walking over from you know like their dinner moment and like you can hear the music playing and you can see on the girl's face like oh no she recognizes the music right because she used to date the musical act right she used to date the musical act which the producers know about of course they know about it like there's okay 
so when you, when you start to like try to, to comprehend what's happening here, and the musical act is a guy named Chase Rice, who is like a pretty big country music star. Yeah, pretty big win for The Bachelor because so it has become also kind of a trope on the show that the musical act they always have to cut away to some like to someone on the date saying, "I can't believe so and so was there and we got a private concert." Oh and yes, it's like they're always and apologies if you're one of those people, but no one has ever heard of these people. It, it very frequently. I would say at least they are not such big names that the, that it merits the reaction that they're giving. You right. know, it's not like, oh my gosh, we had a private concert from, you know, Taylor Swift. It's right. like, like that would, of course, like everyone would be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like that is incredible. Yeah. Um, that it's not hard to understand why someone might be excited about that. When it's a much more obscure artist, though, it's kind of like, okay. Yeah. Like you're telling me that you're excited, which is giving it like a bit more value than it has just just on its own name recognition. So anyway. anyway. So basically, in the scheme of things, and even within the, the the scheme of The Bachelor, very frequently people on the show go on to become kind of famous afterwards. From being it, on the show. From being on the show. At least, like, through social media, they end up being, like, probably more than anything else, social media, like... like stars or whatever. Um, And and most of their income, I'm sure, comes from appearances and brand deals and stuff like that attached to literally that exact following. Right. Um, So, like, you know, Peter, the main guy or whatever, at this point in time, when you're walking up and it's literally you, the person who has become famous because of your involvement with the show versus the guy up on stage who is, like, actually, actually famous. Well, he was also on Survivor, so there's that. But also famous for, like, you know, who he is anyway. It's like, wow, that's a pretty crazy twist that the girl that he's on the date with used to date that guy. Yeah. So the show would have you believe that this is a complete coincidence. No way. That no freaking way. Like, wow, we booked an act and out of all the people in the house he happened to be on, like, oh, if he'd have brought any other girl on this date, it would have been great and no one would have known. What are the odds at all? But it's become, you know, if, you've, if, if you're watching this season, it's so obvious that this is not a coincidence in any way and it becomes really clear based on the reactions of everyone involved that one uh peter the main guy has no idea right that these two people used to date and he thought this was going to be a cool thing right two that the girl he's on the date with had no idea that she was about to run into this person and that the musical act had no idea that the person he was going to be singing to was his ex-girlfriend. And so then you watching at home are just so very aware that someone on the production staff absolutely arranged this perfect storm of awkwardness and like terrible, like... Because the show would present itself as a show that is trying to get one guy to find his wife and have this big, through a series of hyper-romantic interactions right. condensed down to six weeks but you're watching it and it it's it you, like you know the producers have to make it interesting and stuff but this is such like it be it's so crossing the line into this this was no accident you intended terrible drama to ensue because of this right like right, you right. were 
you are working against the protagonist of the show in a way that is stupid and unproductive. And yeah, it it, it goes against, it goes, it is mean. It is mean. Like there's even a moment and I think someone like got like the perfect shot where, you know, like Peter of course doesn't know. And so he's dancing with this girl in front of this musical act. Like literally, you know, they're front center stage with a spotlight on them. And he's like nine feet away serenading them, you know, with like a love song or whatever. And, you know, they have like this big kiss moment. He like literally like covers his face, you know, like the, the singer of the song is like right. you know he's got like his hands over his eyes like and I was like oh my gosh this is this is terrible because again it's like the whole <laughs> the whole premise of the show so sort of my my question here like with in regards to you know all of reality TV is is almost even like uh, are we are we finding like the structural limits because I don't think there's many people out there who watch reality TV and are like this is real <laughs> like reality TV is is an inappropriate not inappropriate it's an, an inaccurate title yeah. And we all agree and we understand that. But like, has it reached a point where it has gone so far that they're like, they're breaking even what can be conceived as shocking things? Sure. I think in particular, you see this happening on a show like The Bachelor because it is uniquely positioned. Because if you have a relatively new reality show it's not hard to introduce new drama because the rules of that show haven't are, been established have, I, yeah haven't been established or are newly established okay so like for example but but the bachelor has been going on for i don't know like almost like it's one of the longest running reality shows ever yeah it's like two, i don't know yeah yeah it, it, it came out you know shortly after like survivor or whatever but using survivor as an example which is possibly my favorite show on tv um That is a good example of the show over time has changed many, many aspects of the game itself. Sure. But every time they introduce something new, it just feels like the evolution of the game. And they're able to like raise the stakes or change the game. So in a way that is interesting for the viewer, it is different and challenging for the competitors so that it is not super predictable and feels fresh and new. But they had the advantage of their show being a game. Yes. And their gimmick is these people are on an island and they're going to vote people off and there will be immunity idols. You know, like the, the, the survivor part is you're surviving the social game and surviving the elements. And that, as long as that core thing remains true, you're there. Where The Bachelor, I think, runs into a bigger problem is that the quote unquote prize and super air quotes there is that you end up in a genuine real life meaningful relationship. Like right. your actual life is what's like the actual future of your entire life and who you spend that with is potentially on the line and the 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 rules quote unquote of the show or what the show is about is you know hopefully you finding your soulmate and you start with 30 men or women and you whittle it down to one right through flower gifts i guess (laughs) yes rose distribution (laughs) (laughs) that's a good way to put it yeah, and you it, it it's like they can't change the rules but so much because of what the end goal is and it feels like they've they've found pretty interesting ways 
to do different dates to have they've like you know have they have the two on ones right those are interesting they, they always pair bad people it seems like you know if they introduce someone into the house who's pretty toxic it seemed clear for a while that they'll be just like just keep them around you know we know it's not going to be them but that's good TV or whatever right yeah um, so I, I've always called it the producer rose so yeah. so very frequently like you know you're watching the the rose ceremony where he's, he's choosing the people who get to stay and you'll get to the the very last one and they'll be doing like you know the confessional like talking heads that are, are popping up on either side and it's this person or this person it's like if it's not me I'm gonna lose it you know and then like uh it always that last rose you're like no he's not gonna pick her he's not gonna pick her he always does and and I've always called it the producer rose because it's like you know that they were like listen you gotta keep her or him or whoever it is it's like they are making good tv and it's gonna make everyone else mad and we need that. So you don't have to end up with them. That's no problem. You don't have to take them on a one-on-one date. You got to keep them though. <laughs> right. Like, you know, that's happening behind the scenes. Yes. Absolutely. But so I think that's where the bachelor stuffing is that they've been around for a really long time. And it feels to me like they've all of, all of the things that could happen, all of the things that can happen within the loose rules of the show have just happened. Yeah. Like there's, if there's a hundred different kinds of drama that could happen between the men or the women in the house or whatever, all 100 have happened, and they've all happened about 10 times now. Right. And you've seen it from every angle, and they're just like, they're running out of ways to do it. So they're having to, like, just get real mean to the people to, like, force it. In order or to have... it just feels too routine to the viewer. Right. Well, to the viewer, and I think even because so many of the people that are on the show are, you know, actively watching the show. And so everyone, I think, is generally sort of aware of, like, what situations to get involved with and which ones to just run and mm-hmm. hide from. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like, yeah, you ha- you always have to be introducing that because you definitely can't introduce like immunity idols into... Oh yeah, you can't like, do that. The Bachelor where it's like, it's like, I know you want to get rid of me, but you can't. I found right. this artifact yeah. underneath the couch. I found the immunity rose. The, <laughs> the immunity rose. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The I love that. So, Why well, I, I hate it actually, but what a hilarious idea. Yeah. It was see. It now, could be now gold. that you said that, I'm already I'm already thinking. You might not be able to save yourself, but there could be like a like a like a like a one on one like a findable one on one date rose or something. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like someone finds it. It's like you don't have to keep me, but by using it, like you have to give it to them, and it's like you you get absolute time with them. Okay. You know? Which would be because that's that's okay. Now now we're getting too into the nitty gritty of the show, but that could be a that that'd be an interesting thing to do. That it's would be not a guaranteed. I'm staying, but it would be an interesting thing to do because because the one on one dates are are rather selective. Like you know, if it's mm-hmm. however many weeks of the show are on, you know, you don't get to see every single girl who shows up go on a one on one date and get to know those people or whatever. So mm-hmm. it would be kind of interesting right if if they could have interjected that because you know obviously by the very nature of them still existing in the house it means that the the person the bachelor the bachelorette has at least agreed for them to you know continue to be there for that long okay i like that okay there you go bachelor producers if you're listening out there we have ideas we have ideas we want to help <laughs> actually i don't know if i want to help <laughs> i want to watch yeah just you just want to watch safely from afar oh my gosh i would love to know what other people's version of because like it's this is the thing. I know all this, and I like I, I still watch anyway. Okay, because that's the other thing. That's the other thing. The, the success rate of Why the show. Why do we watch, Ben? Why do we watch? Okay, what what would you say if out of all the people who have ever won the the TV show Survivor, only like six of them actually got a million dollars, and all the other people they just never gave it to them. 
Well, yeah, I wouldn't still watch. Right, exactly. Yeah. So why is it that with The Bachelor, there's like six actual successful couples that have come from the main show itself? Bachelor in Paradise might actually have a better success rate, which is like their spinoff show. Um, but yeah, so why why do we keep coming back when it's like you're so tuned into it and you're like, no, he can't keep them around. That You can't spend a lifetime with that type of person. And then it's like, they don't anyway. I think, I think the reason you keep going back is because one... You need some sort of just garbage TV in your life. Everyone needs that, you know? Uh, and two, everyone, I don't think, I don't think anyone ever likes being involved in drama in their own life for the most part. I don't, um, okay. That being said, literally every single person ever on the show who says, I don't do drama, 100%, 100%. exclusively does drama. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. So anyway, though, I think it's fun to watch because you, you get the, all of the benefit of the of of watching the drama without having to be involved like you get to comment and you get to voice it and you get to see all of the tragedy involve it not unfold unfold that's what I was looking for unfold <laughs> unfold without having to be involved at all okay you just i think that's what it is is that people it's like all that all those like annoying things you had to an, any weird dramatic situation you have ever been involved in it's like you know how terrible that was yeah yeah it might like it might have been fun to watch from the sideline but going through it's terrible so you can just watch from the sideline at all times so is it like the would you say it's like the ultimate vicarious experience where you're like where you're just sort of like you're you're getting the experiences by watching other people do them I guess so. Maybe that's a little bit it. I mean, because I guess at the end of the day, especially that show in particular, because that's that's not unusual. I mean, mm -hmm. like I, I get lost in like van life videos where I'm watching people who go right. and like li live out of a Sprinter van, you know, in the hills of Minnesota. Does right. Minnesota have hills? I don't know. Um, somewhere. But I can see where that's not like mass appeal. Like to me, it takes all these complicated moving parts of my life and it gives me like a super condensed, like 170 square foot space that is all you have to worry about. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I love to escape to that thought mm -hmm. because it's like, oh my God, there's so few things to worry about. Like I, I could be so good at everything I did if all I had to worry about was that 170 square foot space. Right. Um, so that's why I like that, but probably everybody wouldn't. Um, so why, yeah, what is it about? I, I think it just has to be the case that everybody in, in some capacity is in pursuit of love, right? I think that's part of probably it too, is that everyone, everyone's in pursuit of love and, uh, you can see like the the worst version of that journey <laughs> yes yes absolutely it's, you're just guaranteed to get to like some sort of trade wreck every right every week okay so let me let me bring you to my my next and final point because it gets to involve the, the viewers a little bit um is <coughs> what i want more than anyone is someone i know to oh. go on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Oh my gosh. Because I want to ask them every single question I've always had. Oh, but they're and, not going to be able to answer. Well, maybe they would. I'm very... People like... People open up to me, Jay. People, people are that's, like... That's true. People do open up to you in a way that is unusual to watch <laughs> from the sideline. You call it... What do you call it? You, you have a quality. <laughs> ben has a quality It never him. feels like you're complimenting me when you say it. Like. Oh, the word is quality, but quality is good. <laughs> Okay. Okay. You'd probably be a good bachelor. Everyone would just open right up to you. Yeah. Maybe. I, I do. I Okay. I will say that uh, prior to dating Allie, whenever I had watched the show, I did more often than I would care to admit, put like, be like, I could be on the show. Like, like I was like, I, I could do this. Like, you could get I, on. I feel like I could do it. I feel like it would be fun. Okay. So question for the for the viewers, for the listeners of The Pop, have you ever either been on or uh, known someone 
who is a contestant on The Bachelor. Or Bachelor or, or Bachelorette. I would, I, would, I would even say reality TV show. We're just show. on a reality TV yes. show. Yeah, we can go that we broad. We want to hear your story. Especially, especially if you know someone who's been on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette because that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I want to know, yeah, do, because surely people know these people. Half the time they know each other. I mean, there's been so many people who've been on the show at this point. Right. That... You know, the the six degrees of human contact or, you know, Kevin Bacon or whatever you want to call it. Right. You know, there someone listening to this knows someone who's been on the show. Okay, so if you're out there and you know one of those people, uh, be sure, like, let us just email us at popcornculturepod at gmail.com and, and tell us your story because we want to know. We do want to know. Yeah, I think that would be absolutely fascinating. I'm actually, I'm super giddy. You're I, giddy? I, you're I, excited for the emails? I'm excited for the emails. I'm always excited for the emails. Send Ben your emails. Send them, yeah, yeah, popcornculturepod at gmail.com. Yes. Um, or you can follow us over on Twitter. Uh, it's a popcast. Is that what it's called? A popcast. A popcast at a caps popcast. Yes. A popcast. A popcast. Yeah. Okay. I know. I, I know our own handle. Yeah. Of course. It's so hard. You're a good host. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I needed that. I'm I'm taking it as as very genuine. No, the internet is such a huge and Quality vast place. Host. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Now, now you're just throwing things at me. No, the internet is such a huge and weird place in that, like, whenever we, we want to start a new show, the first thing we have to do is go and check to see if any of the social media things are available at oh, all. Oh, gosh. And they never are. It's like, it, it's, it is always the moment in my life when it occurs to me that I, th- there is no such thing as an original thought anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone else, somewhere else, somehow, some way, has not only had the same thought, but gone so far as to secure that email address before you did. Yeah, <clears throat> very frustrating. Goodness me. Yep. So anyway, all of our, I don't think any of our socials are the same. They're all different, uh, but be sure to go and follow us on there or leave a review. It does help the, helps the pop out just oh, the, yeah. a, a jolly bundle, a jolly bundle. And we all, we all love a good jolly bundle. Thanks so much for listening as always. And please be sure to send Ben all your emails about whether or not you know someone or, ha- or you personally have been on a reality TV show. Otherwise, until next time. Bye. 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 You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.